Hey everyone, welcome back to the Sermon Podcast from Mount Hope's Belmont location where each week you will hear a message designed to help you learn more about God, grow in your love for God and others, so that you can go and live a life driven by faith. There's a big difference, isn't there, between knowledge, the ability to know something, and wisdom, which is the ability to put that knowledge into practice in day-to-day life. Right now, we're in the middle of a series on the book of Proverbs. And Proverbs is all about how you and I are to live as followers of Jesus Christ in day-to-day life. It's an important conversation, so I hope you enjoy it, and I hope you listen closely, because I believe God has something He would like to say to you. Let me ask you this question. Have you ever looked back at a picture of yourself 5, 10, 15, 20 years earlier have you ever looked back at a picture of yourself and thought to yourself as you observed your haircut and your clothing, what in the world was I thinking? You ever thought that? You ever taken a look at a picture and just thought, what was I thinking? Who thought that was a good idea? Because the truth is, some voice told you it was a good idea to dress in that style, or some voice told you it was a good idea to wear your hair in that style. And so we all look back, and whether it was our parents dressing us for us, or whether it was an internal voice that we said, oh, you know, this, this looks good, we convinced ourselves we looked good, or if there was some sort of voice in the culture that was saying, this is what looks good for this time period, someone told us that we would look good if we did our hair that way or if we wore those clothes. And isn't it funny how we look back sometimes and we say to ourselves, what in the world was I thinking? We don't just do that with pictures of ourselves. We do that in more serious things too. We do that culturally. Sometimes culturally we look back and there were voices that we trusted that were supposedly leading us in the right direction. And we look back on those voices 5, 10, 15, 20 years later and we think to ourselves, what were we thinking believing that that person was smart and was telling us the right direction to go. The last couple of weeks, I came across some advertisements that ran in Life magazine back in the 50s. And it's interesting to look back and hear the voices of the day and what they would say. I mean, here's an advertisement for Domino Sugar, and look what it says. It's smart to stay slim and trim and get Domino's energy lift too. In fact, the small print says that just... Three teaspoons of sugar a day will do all of that for you. If you just eat it raw every single day, three teaspoons of sugar, you will get all those benefits. And the next one I saw, and I love this one, is for butter. And here's the, it says, your nutrition tip, your nutrition tip. Butter is slippery. That's why we eat as much as possible to lubricate our arteries and our veins. Can you imagine that advertisement running today? And then there's the one, of course, for vitamin donuts, uh, give you everything that you need to get through the day. And here's my absolute favorite one, considering what we know today. 20,679 physicians say luckies are less irritating. It's toasted. And then at the bottom it says, your throat protection against irritation and cough. Can you imagine that just a few decades ago, 20,679 physicians were willing to say that smoking Lucky Brand cigarettes was helpful to your throat and dealing with cough and irritation. It's amazing how the voices change. Here's what I want you to think about right now this morning. What voices are you listening to right now? That 5, 10, 15, 20 years down the road, you are going to look back 
and ask yourself, what in the world was I thinking? What was I thinking? All of those sound so foolish to us today, but they didn't five decades ago, six decades ago. It was common knowledge. What voices are we listening to right now? And more specifically, what voices are you listening to right now? The 5, 10, 15, 20 years down the road, you're going to look back and say, what in the world was I thinking? And wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't it be great if we could know right now, know right now which voices to listen to and which voices to ignore? I mentioned we're going to begin this new uh, series in the book of Proverbs. We're going to be in the book of Proverbs for the next six Sundays through the end of July. And if you're not very familiar with this book in the Bible, it's towards the middle of the Bible, right after the book of Psalms. And many of us are familiar with David, King David, David of David and Goliath. We know that character. Even if you're not that familiar with the Bible, you may know about David. Well, David had a son named Solomon. And Solomon had asked the Lord, the Bible says, for wisdom early on in his reign as king, and God had granted him wisdom. And the book of Proverbs is Solomon, King Solomon, passing on his knowledge and wisdom to his son. And so when we read the book of Proverbs, we get an inside glimpse into this this letter or this document in which a very wise king is passing on his wisdom down to his son how he should live. And in Proverbs chapter 2, which we're going to look at today, Solomon tells his son exactly how he can know whether or not he's following good voices or the voices that are going to cause him regret. We're going to work through this chapter bit by bit together this morning. Let's start in verse 1. I'm going to read through verse 8. This is what the father is saying to his son. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding... Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. Father speaks to his son, and he says, Son, this is what I want for you, above everything else in your life, above everything else that you could accomplish, above everything else that you could do. What I want for you is that you would gain wisdom. You would gain wisdom. Wisdom is different than knowledge, isn't it? Wisdom is a little bit different than knowledge. Knowledge is understanding something to be true, an idea, a principle, a law, a command. But wisdom is the actual ability to apply it to -to day-to-day life. And the father says to his son, above everything else, I want you to have and to gain wisdom. And he says two things about wisdom to his son. He says, first of all, wisdom is extremely valuable. You should desire it, he says. Seek it like silver. Put everything else aside and go after wisdom. And the second thing he says about wisdom is that wisdom is a gift. In fact, it's, it's kind of this cyclical process he details here. 
He says to his son, pursue wisdom, pursue true wisdom, and you will find God. And when you find God, you'll find wisdom. And he describes to his son this turning flywheel of wisdom in God. He says, son, I want for you wisdom above everything else. Seek it like silver. Make it your number one desire. And as you go after wisdom, eventually you will find God. And here's what happened. When you find God, he will give you greater wisdom. Pursue God, he'll give you the wisdom. Keep walking that wisdom, you'll learn more about God. And the question is, why is this what the father desires for his son above everything else? The very beginning of this book, he's not talking to his son about achievement. He's not talking to him about gaining more money. All those topics are going to come up in this book later. But at the very start, he makes it clear, all I want for you is to understand that wisdom is valuable and wisdom is connected to God. And why is that? I mean, you can imagine if you were at one of the many barbecues you may attend this summer and you were eating an overcooked hamburger and a side of potato chips and you're standing on somebody's porch and you're listening to a conversation between two people and the first person says to the other, oh, how is your son Johnny doing? And you can see the second person start to beam with pride and they say, well, Johnny is doing great. In fact, he graduated high school this spring, as you know, and he was valedictorian of his class. And he's doing an internship this summer at one of the top biomedical firms in Cambridge. And in the fall, he's going to begin his studies at Harvard. So we couldn't be more proud of Johnny. And then that person turns back to the first person and says, and how is your daughter doing? How is Susie doing? And that parent beams with pride and says, Susie... Susie's gained wisdom. And you're waiting for something more because it doesn't sound that impressive. I mean, compared to Johnny and everything that he's accomplishing, it doesn't sound like Susie is doing much. But according to this father, he's not saying the two are mutually exclusive. He's not saying don't achieve things, instead go after wisdom. But he's saying if you have the choice between achieving great things or putting wisdom first, go after wisdom, son. Go after that first. Do whatever it takes to obtain it. And the question is why? Why would this father, the wisest king to ever rule, want this above everything else for his child? Well, very specifically, he wants it for two reasons. And these two reasons are the things that will protect this young man from following voices that will lead him down a path he never wants to go down. And these two things are the thing that would protect you and me from following voices that will take us down a path much more serious than a hairstyle or clothing style. Following voices that would take us down a path that 5, 10, 15, 20 years from now will look back and say, what in the world was I thinking? The first thing wisdom does, and specifically wisdom that leads us to God and comes from God, is found in the next group of verses. This is the longest section we'll read at one time today. We're going to read verse 9 through verse 19. Then you will understand righteousness and justice, and equity 
in every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart, and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you, and understanding will guard you, delivering you from the way of evil, from men of perverted speech, who forsake the paths of uprightness, who, to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil, and delight in the perverseness of evil, men whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. So you will be delivered from the forbidden woman, from the adulteress with her smooth words who forsakes the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God. For her house sinks down to death and her paths to the departed. None who go to her come back, nor do they regain the paths of life. The first thing the Father says that wisdom gives to the Son and to you and to me is that wisdom gives us discernment. Wisdom gives us discernment. And I think very specific discernment here. If you're trying to follow the wisdom that leads to God and comes from God in this world, inevitably something's going to happen. And you know this because if you're someone that calls yourself a follower of Jesus Christ, that this happens to you often. Eventually, as you walk the path of this life, and this is the language the writer of Proverbs uses, uses the language of paths. If you walk the path of life, eventually you're going to come to a fork in the road. Eventually you're going to come to a split. Eventually you're going to come to some sort of crossroad where the voices of common knowledge and our culture and what is considered smart in our world is going to deviate from what the wisdom that leads to God and comes from God says. Even if you don't call yourself a follower of Jesus here this morning, you know this is true. At some point, in fact, quite often, what our world says is right and what God says is right split. And here's the challenge that many of us have. Many of us are not wise enough, and I certainly have found myself in this place before, are not wise enough to even recognize where the split begins. We might come to understand once we're down the trail of ways. But many times it's difficult to discern where that split actually starts. And we begin walking with the voices of this world and walking away from the voice of God. It usually starts much further back than when we actually wake up and realize that we've gone the wrong direction. Last summer, my sister's uh, family was visiting from Iowa, and my brother-in-law and I, we did a hike in the White Mountains. And it was probably about a three-hour hike, or that's what it was supposed to be. And we were going up the mountain, and it was a beautiful day. It was a beautiful hike. We were going up the mountain, and many of you that have done hikes in that area, you know how it works. As we were walking up the trail... Every so often, there would be a yellow stripe of paint on the tree trunks just to let us know we were headed in the right direction. At some points in the trail, though, the ground became fairly rocky. And so there were these big, flat rock faces that we would have to walk across. And when we got to those areas, the trees did not grow large enough to be able to mark the trunks. It was just shrubs and bushes. And so what they had done is they had just tied yellow ribbon to the branches that were on those bushes and shrubs. We were hiking along and it, we were talking and at one point we opened up into this big clearing and there was this giant rock face 
And so we just kept walking. We kept walking where it was open and where it seemed good to us to go. And we were talking with one another and enjoying the day and enjoying the hike. And about 15 or 20 minutes down the path, what we thought was the path, we hit the tree line. And we looked in front of us. We looked to the left. And we looked to the right. And there wasn't a single place where these trees opened up where a path could be. And so what did we have to do? We had to turn around. We had to walk down the exact same rock face, 15, 20 minutes. And once we got down to the bottom, we noticed there underneath where a couple of branches had grown over, right in the tree line was a small yellow ribbon tied to a bush. And once we saw that, we were able to push some branches out of the way and keep going on the path. Now, here's the thing. It wasn't just that we lost the path. We weren't even smart enough to discern that we had come to a crossroad. We had no idea that we were walking in the wrong direction. Someone who had walked the trail before, someone who was wise in hiking, someone who did this more often than us would know instinctually that they were at a place where the path split, but we had no idea. And the author of Proverbs is saying to you and to me, if you will pursue wisdom, the wisdom that leads to God and the wisdom that comes from God. If you will pursue it above everything else, you will be wise and be able to discern when you are at a crossroads so that you don't have to go 5, 10, 15, 20 years down the path only to regret where you are. But you can avoid beginning in that path in the first place. You ever watch someone younger than you make a decision that didn't seem like a big deal to them, but you knew. You knew it was starting them down a path that they did not want to go down. And you tried to tell them. You tried to say to them, don't make this decision. Don't start this relationship. I was in a relationship like that. It doesn't go where you want it to go. You tell them, don't have those friendships. Those friendships are going to lead you a place you don't want to go. Take your studies seriously. Because if you don't, it's going to lead you down a path that you don't want to go. And the child doesn't think that they're making a big decision. They just think they're doing, they're just having fun. They're doing what they want to do. But you know that they are setting in motion a walk that they don't want to take. God looks at us and watches us do the same thing. And wisdom gives us the discernment to know that this decision I'm about to make is not some small decision that has no impact. It is a large decision that's going to send me down a path that I don't want to go. And so you know what? It doesn't seem like a big deal to respond to this flirty text message that I'm not going to tell my spouse about. But God's wisdom tells me otherwise. It doesn't seem like a big deal to enter into this business relationship. But wisdom tells me otherwise. It doesn't seem like a big deal to start these friendships or start that relationship or make this decision. But when I am pursuing the wisdom that, that leads me to God and comes from God, all of a sudden I can begin to see that I am making big decisions that are going to take me down paths I don't want to go. And the father says to the son in these verses, listen, there's two voices that are going to come your way. And both voices are going to sound good to you. Both voices are going to sound like they have a good plan. 
And the first voice that we just read about is the voice of the wicked men with perverse speech. The writer says, or what I would say, is people that come to us and twist the truth. These men that are in this passage, they strike me as the kind of people that when you're in the office or when you're in the classroom or when you're with your group of friends, these are the kind of people that everyone wants to be around, but you know that to have relationship with them is going to cost you something. It's going to require that you compromise on what you know to be true or you compromise on what you know God says to do in order to spend time with them. They take what God says is true and twist it to make it untrue and tell you to come and follow. Could be someone asking you to do a business deal you know isn't ethical. It could be someone asking, t- telling you that if you'll believe something, that it'll lead you to a better place. But we know what that's like. This is what our world does brings what looks like truth, but it's twisted. And the second voice that's in this passage is very specifically this adulterous woman trying to lure this young man into sexual temptation. But these are the voices of smooth lies in our world. The smooth lies, the the voices that come to us and say to us. The culture, popularity, money, success, relationships will make you happier and fill you with greater joy than God ever could. It's the smooth talk that we fall victim to. The Father says, listen, you need to be able to recognize these voices right away. Not once you've walked down the path 5, 10, 15, 20 years, but before you even start down that journey. And so, son, pursue wisdom, wisdom that leads you to God and comes from God so that you can know where the path splits. And the second thing that wisdom does for us, the Father says to the Son, and God says to you and to me, is that wisdom gives us discernment, but it also gives us direction. Wisdom doesn't just help us discern that we're at a split. Wisdom gives us clarity in which way we are to go. Look at these last couple of verses here. Verse 20. So you will walk in the way of the good and keep to the paths of righteousness. For the upright will inhabit the land. And those with integrity will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the land, and the treacherous will be rooted out of it. Wisdom not only gives us discernment to understand that we're at a, at a fork in the road, that we're at a crossroad, but wisdom also tells us what direction to go. Wisdom comes and takes a giant signpost and puts it at the fork in the trail and puts two signs One that points down one way and says leads to death, and one that points the other way and says leads to life. And here's the tricky thing about these voices in our world. The ones that would twist truth or the ones that would tell us smooth lies. The voices in our world, they start with life, but they ultimately, as we read in these last verses, lead to death. And death here very specifically, not just physical death, but separation from God, a loss of relationship with God. The path of the twisted truth and the smooth lies looks great. It's well manicured. It's sunny. There are birds chirping. 
It looks like it is the way to go. It's, in fact, it's well-trodden. Many people have walked it before. And it's easy to look at that path and to say, it looks good. Everyone's telling me it's good. And not fully appreciate where that path goes and where it leads. The paths of this world, they promise life, but they lead to death. When we pursue wisdom that leads to God and comes from God, though, we pursue a path that starts with death but leads to life. Where the voices of this world promise us life but ultimately lead us to death, the wisdom that comes from God begins with death and ultimately leads us to life. This is the way the Apostle Paul put it, hundreds of years after this was written in 1 Corinthians. He said this. He said, We preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and a folly to Gentiles, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. The foolishness of God is this idea that we are sinners. We've walked away from him, that we can't do it on our own, that we are not perfect, but that God in his love and mercy, rather than forcing us to climb out of the, own, the pit that we've dug ourselves, sends his son to live and to die on the cross and be raised again, and that by believing in him, not by achieving anything, but by believing in him, we might have a new relationship with God, both here and now and for all eternity. That's the foolishness of God. That's the wisdom that leads us to God and comes from God, that leads us down the path of life that our world looks at and shakes their head. But that foolishness of God, Paul says, is wiser than men. And the weakness of God is stronger. I don't know that any app on my phone has changed my life more than Waze. I love the Waze app. I don't know if you love it, but I love it. And I love it especially in this area, right? I, you know, I come from the Midwest. If I used Waze in the Midwest, it would just laugh at me. It would say, guess what? There's no traffic. Just drive. But here, here, it's very useful. Here, it's very useful because there's always traffic. And here's what I found out over the years that I've used Waze. And Waze helps me get the back roads and get places quicker. Time, from time to time, I will be dumb enough to say, you know what? I know how to get there. In fact, just the other day, Justin and I were meeting here at the church on Thursday, and it was 10 o'clock. And I said to myself, it's 10 o'clock. There's no traffic. And so I turned off Waze. And what happened? Rather than take the back roads, I got on 95, and it was an absolute parking lot. And I thought to myself, why didn't I just turn on the app? I have this tool that can tell me exactly the way I should go. And any time over the last few years, I have said to myself, I won't turn it on. I'll just, I know the way. It's cost me. And any time I've looked at that purple line and I said, I know a better way, trust me, that hasn't gone well either. See, you and I have a God that loves us enough 
to not just send his son down to die on the cross for our sins, but to be intimately involved then in our lives, to be speaking to us by his spirit, to have given us his word in which he tells us exactly what it is that he wants from us and exactly how we should live if we ultimately want to receive life. And you know what we do over and over and over again? We either just turn it off and think that we know better, or we read it. And we say to yourself, that's one way to do it, but I'm going to try it my own way. And time and time again, we find out that the path that results in the wisdom that leads to God and comes from God. It may look tough at first because it involves death. It involves the death of a Savior. It involves the death of us to ourselves and our own wants and desires and our surrender to God. It may look difficult at first, but it is the path that ultimately leads to life. And over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about the different crossroads that are in this book. And we're going to talk about five of them. We're going to talk about the crossroads that come when we go through difficult times, discipline. We're going to talk about sex, money, friendship, relationships. And each and every time we're going to see where the smart knowledge of our world might take us and where the wisdom of God would take us. And we're going to trust that God is leading us down a path that begins with death but leads to life. I'm going to invite our worship team forward as we close this morning. And as they come, I'd like for you to do something. You have one of those Connect cards that you got on your way in. And on the back side of that Connect card, there's a blank space for sermon notes. I was watching you. None of you filled it up yet, okay? I'm just kidding. All right, maybe you did. Some of you got some space there, all right? I'm confident in that. This is what I'd like for you to do. In the next couple of moments, I'm going to pray. And our worship team is going to begin to play. I'd encourage you to take a moment and answer this question. Where are you listening right now to a voice in your life that is twisting the truth, that you know to be a smooth lie, that is calling you and beckoning you to take a path you know you shouldn't take. Where is that? For some of us, it's the idea that if we had more, we'd be happier. For some of us, it's the idea that if we ended or began a new relationship, that life would be better. For some of us, it's the idea that if we left this behind and embraced the common knowledge of this world, that our lives would be more fulfilling. But where in your life are you tempted to listen to the voice that would take you down the path that promises life but ultimately leads to death? And I'd encourage you just to take a moment and write that down. Take a moment and pray and say, God, would you protect me? God, as I pursue the wisdom that leads me to you and comes from you, God, would you protect me from walking down this path that leads me away from you? 
God, would you give me the strength to walk the path that leads to life? And God, I pray in these moments that your Holy Spirit would speak to us. We all have these places where we are listening to the voices of this world and not to you. So God, grant us wisdom. Grant us wisdom that only comes from you to know what is true and what is not. What voices we should listen to and what voices we should ignore that we might live the life that begins with the death of Jesus Christ and our death of ourselves to you and ends in life. Pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Sermon Podcast from Mount Hope's Belmont location where each week you will hear a message designed to help you learn more about God, grow in your love for God and others so that you can go and live a life driven by faith. There's a big difference, isn't there, between knowledge, the ability to know something, and wisdom, which is the ability to put that knowledge into practice in day-to-day life. Right now, we're in the middle of a series on the book of Proverbs, and Proverbs is all about how you and I are to live as followers of Jesus Christ in day-to-day life. It's an important conversation, so I hope you enjoy it, and I hope you listen closely, because I believe God has something He would like to say to you.